0: From the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast, this is Ag Day.
1: Growing the perfect Christmas tree. It takes about five to six years to grow a Christmas tree. We'll head to one farm that's been perfecting the holiday centerpiece for decades. There is growth in the dairy industry right now, but it's not in milk. See where producers are putting their money and a new push here at home to help farmers half a world away. You know, they're farmers, we're farmers, we have to help them. The situation on the ground, right now for farmers in Ukraine, on Ag. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when experience meets expertise. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Funding for two key security measures remains at a stalemate in Congress, Senate negotiators failing to make a deal on border security and funding for Ukraine. Republicans pushing hard to have the two measures tied together. A historic surge at the southern border continues to strain resources, while Ukraine warns it's getting dangerously low on supplies and munitions in their war against Russia. As Senate negotiators work to finish a deal, the House is already out of session, not scheduled to return until January 9th unless called back to D.C. For residents and farmers living in Ukraine, the realities of war continues. Recently, Howard G. Buffett and his foundation teamed up with the German Marshall Fund of the United States to share the message of what's happening in the rural parts of the country. Called the Whistle Stops for Ukraine Tour, it began in Minnesota, where the ambassador to Ukraine shared the challenges ahead. From the fields of Ukraine to the halls of Washington, history is being written. And we have been survivors for over a thousand years looking for that elusive freedom and self-determination for Ukraine. A message being shared room by room.
2: All the sacrifice that the United States had made, we're just very, very
1: rich and lucky in terms of the business interests we have here. And crowd by crowd. as a story of what's happening in Ukraine is told.
2: We are fighting this fight every day. There are barrages of missiles and Shahid drones on peaceful cities every day, but we will stay the course. But we need you, our friends, to stay this course with us.
3: From families, to soldiers, to farmers. The largest industry that has been devastated in Ukraine is agriculture. And when you see it, uh, it's pretty overwhelming
1: the realities
3: on the ground hit home. You have seen combines that are blown up. You have seen farmers that have died uh, in their fields as a result of it. You've seen crops that have been burned.
2: An investment in one of the most fundamental and important relationships in the international system.
1: This is the first of a number of whistle-stop tours hosted by the German Marshall Fund of the United States and the Howard G. Buffett Foundation. The goal? educating the public and explaining the impact the war is having in Ukraine and around the world.
2: This entire Whistle Stop tour is about making sure that communities in the United States understand fundamentally what's so important about Ukraine and that our communities are joining together. We lift up those voices. We provide that hope.
1: From civic and government leaders to ag groups and Ukrainian American communities, each stop is focused on what's happening now and why it's important.
2: Minnesotans understand uh, the value and importance of community, of freedom, of fighting for what's important. We you know how important the land is, protecting that land, nourishing that land, feeding people. That commonality is what we want to highlight.
3: As the front lines rage across Ukrainian farms, 30% of the country has to be surveyed for landmines. America's ag producers are learning about ways to help. And I add one thing Can I just asked President Conley, what did you hope to come out of this conversation?
2: How can I help? What can I do? Understand the implications of this. It's the right thing to do. It's the moral argument. And if that doesn't persuade you, there's the economic benefit.
1: As a country and an
3: industry, fight their way toward recovery. You can't end the humanitarian crisis until uh, you win the war. And so, you know, we, we've already put out 132 million food boxes on the front line. Most of them all on the front line. That's crazy that, that you are feeding that many people. And, 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 you know, half of those people are farmers. Farmers fighting for a future. I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime, okay? I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime in terms of the impact on global food security, local food security, and on an agricultural community at the scale that this this has happened. When a farmer talks to me about Ukraine, I tell him there's no option, you know? They're farmers, we're farmers, we have to help them. And what about a return
1: to the Black Sea grain deal? Russia still doesn't appear interested. Russia's agriculture minister instead emphasizing that his country's grain export volumes have not declined. In fact, he says they have even seen a slight increase despite their withdrawal from the grain agreement earlier this year. Now you'll remember the Black Sea grain deal was a voluntary export agreement between Russia and Ukraine aimed at stabilizing global grain markets. A powerful storm hitting the east coast on Monday with about 58 million Americans under flood watches from North Carolina to Maine. The storm carrying heavy rain, strong winds. It's battering the northeast, causing power outages, bridge closures and flooded roadways. The same storm previously drenched the southeast and mid-Atlantic over the weekend. And now it's the west turn for some rain.
4: Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has a look ahead. Matt? Yeah, we're kind of getting stuck in these patterns uh, where the combination Ridge and trough uh, bringing a lot of moisture to one portion of the United States. Uh, the last couple of days it was the East Coast Ridge high pressure building in across the United States with another trough digging in behind me so when I press this button uh, you'll see that Pineapple Express once again into parts of uh, California as that trough digs and tries to work to the east it is going to pick up uh, rainfall and moisture from the Gulf of Mexico and extend it back up here to the north. Now this is the precipitation forecast for this week that takes us through Christmas Eve and into Christmas Day. At this time, uh, in terms of uh, cold air really breaking out the United States, it it looks warm. So a lot of this is going to be more rain. So Santa, of course, is going to have to put on the wheels on the sleigh this time around. And not a sleigh and reindeer for Santa, speaking of which, uh, but a a gleaner. Check out this arrival in Ontario, Canada. Kathy sharing this terrific video with us of all the terrific uh, parade featuring all kinds of farm equipment decked out. She thanked all the farmers for taking part, saying you bring such joy to this little Ontario town. What Ontario town? Rockwood. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. If you're a farmer with a USDA loan and can't
1: make a payment, there may be some aid available for you right now. USDA's Deputy Secretary says sometimes farmers can find themselves in financial trouble through no fault of their own. In some cases, it adds up to a few missed payments. In other cases, farmers have taken out a second mortgage or cash out their retirement to try and cover costs. But there is money set aside in the Inflation Reduction Act for many farmers in need. But to take part in the program, you have to apply before the end of the year. There are also other options to consider.
3: Loan servicing is still an option. Loan restructuring is still an option. So far,
1: $1.8 billion has been given to 32,000 farmers to help make ends meet. There's no big export sale announcement on Monday and that kept markets drifting. We'll discuss it next in Markets Now. And later, the secret of growing the perfect Christmas tree we will stop by a busy farm in Georgia for the tricks of the trade in the country. And we have another winner of the Case IH holiday giveaway. Michelle Grosskreutz of Wells, Minnesota is the winner of the Case IH Prize pack, including a mug, a holiday ornament, toy tractor, and so much more. And we'll announce another winner tomorrow morning. And there's still time to register this weekend, just in time for Christmas. U.S. Farm Report will reveal the winner of our grand prize, the Farm All-Sea Tractor. Be sure to sign up and tune in to see if your name gets called, Giveaway.com. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today. Cattle appears to be on the rebound. Ag Day's Michelle Rook has more in Markets Now.
2: Monday's market closes higher in cattle and soybeans, lower in the corn and wheat market. Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors joining us and Cattle look like maybe they put in a low, Sean, but how much recovery or retracement do you expect?
0: I think it's reasonable to expect we get a 30% retracement of the decline we saw. Um, if you look at what the chart did, we broke above the 2014 highs, had a parabolic rise, and we came back down to meet those 2014 highs, which now becomes support. It was a logical place technically for the market to balance in both feeders and in the live cattle market. And so I think some kind of a, 30% retracement so would be a reasonable expected balance, but I'm not expecting a renewed sustainable uptrend. I think we need to some backing and fill in some bottoming here going into the first quarter before we need to see that beef cutout price stop falling. And it's continuing to fall for the third month in a row.
2: So it also higher on Monday. And of course, we're putting in some Brazilian weather premium. How much premium do you think we need in that market?
0: I personally think we need to go back to the premium we had originally before we took it off when all these weather models that had been wet bias, put all this rain back on. Um, the rains are disappointing. They're not showing up. They're underperforming at a critical time that we're now moving from planting season in Brazil to pod setting in Brazil. We can all or keep the cam down the road any further. And I think these missed rains now, and we're supposed to go back to hot and dry next week. I think we need to put some premium on in a hurry here and at least go back to the premium we had before and then take another look at it.
2: And the wheat market setting back, was that weather or was that just the lack of export demand again?
0: Yeah, you know, just the lack of export demand. We've gotten pretty excited that we've seen some big, big U.S. exports. We've seen, you know, uh, Russia back away from their exports. In fact, the lowest exports of the year, the past 30 days. But, you know, we're in the last couple of weeks of the year. A lot of times business just slows down just because of the seasonality of it but when you have a market that's being fed on demand and you don't show that demand it brings some sellers into the marketplace out of time arguably when volume is on the lighter side.
2: Right. Thanks for joining us Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. We'll have more Ag Day coming up
1: your next piece of equipment is on machinerypeat.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineRepeat.com.
4: When we talk about long-term patterns, we have to go to our old friend, the jet stream. And as we go forward, uh, we'll see a similar pattern that we've dealt with the last couple of months. Uh, November, December, uh, we've been getting ridges that dominate the United States and troughs that kind of sneak on through you see one right there to the right side of your screen and then one over here now. So no surprise this pattern is going to be repeating itself as we go into Friday, Saturday and Sunday as we get set for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. This is on Friday and you got that Ridge still in and across the area and it is going to be picking up some moisture, some rain from the south to the north piece of energy back out here to the northwest is going to try to work down and that is going to be kind of the trigger mechanism for rain, but not necessarily cold air. You want to talk about cold air. It's back up there above the legend. You kind of see that purple uh, up there towards the north. This ridge, as we've talked about before, it's actually strengthening and because of that it bottles all the cold air back up to the north. So anything that cuts down into the United States, and while it is colder, it is not the extreme cold that would bring snowfall uh, through a large portion of the United States. Again, this is deadstream on Monday, and what we're seeing is a ridge dominating two thirds of the United States and also kind of a soft trough back here towards the east, which is going to keep rain chances around. Uh, the in between, the saddle point between these two, that's where we could get some rain uh, moving in as well as a possibility of opening up the Gulf of Mexico with a little bit more moisture. Here's a look at Monday and into your Tuesday so that nor'easter moves out. A devastating one in terms of power outages for the northeast. The ridge builds in with some cloud cover, but no rain in the forecast. We come all the way back out here towards California with the Pineapple Express once again bringing in ample moisture in and across California. No, with another trough trying to dig back up to the northwest. Otherwise, as I was mentioning, there's the rain kind of filling in across the United States. Not much in the way of cold air, so not expecting much in the way of snowfall. Somerset, uh, sunny skies so right around 39 degrees, low of 20 degrees. Malta, Montana, morning clouds and PMs on high around 40. And then Buffalo, partly cloudy, high around 54. That's uh, South Dakota, population 200. Beef on dairy appears to be a growing phenomenon in the cattle industry. We have the
1: latest numbers coming up next. And later, fields of perfectly pristine pines. will find out what it takes to grow the perfect Christmas tree today in the country. A plan to get whole milk back into school lunches has been blocked in the Senate for now. Senate Ag Committee Chair Debbie Stabenow of Michigan prevented Republican Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas from passing the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act by unanimous consent in the Senate last week. Now, Stabenow saying her opposition to the measure Is based on her belief that it goes against the dietary guidelines for Americans. She emphasized the importance of maintaining school meal standards that are rooted in dietary science rather than promoting specific food products. The bill passed the House earlier this month. Beef on dairy breeding is booming at a breathtaking pace. That's according to one feedlot specialist. Dr. Zeb Gray works with Diamond V. He says the practice is changing the landscape of the U.S. beef industry, probably permanently. Data from the National Association of Animal Breeders indicates beef genetics are being swapped for dairy semen at a fast clip. From 2018 to 2022, beef semen sales rose by about 5 million doses, while dairy semen actually dropped by nearly the same amount. At the same time, the U.S. dairy herd has remained about the same at 9 million head, a sign that the shift is largely due to beef on dairy breeding. You can read more about this at DairyHerd.com. Christmas trees are a holiday tradition dating back hundreds of years. We'll stop by a farm in Georgia to see what goes into cultivating the perfect tree in the country. From planting to trimming, you're about to see the time and dedication it takes to grow the perfect Christmas tree. Jennifer Parson of the Georgia Farm Monitor shows us the secrets
5: of your holiday centerpiece. Christmas trees just don't come from a sidewalk at one of your shopping centers. There's a lot that goes into running a Christmas tree farm. It's a lot more than people think. A lot of people think, you know, you just plant a tree and then, you know, the next year you cut it down as a Christmas tree and make all this money. But uh, it takes about five to six years to grow a Christmas tree that's this height that we have here next to us.
6: Their 100-acre farm has about 40 acres in Christmas trees.
5: We plant on eight-foot squares. Every tree is eight-foot around it on all sides. Everything's in straight lines. We can plant seven to 800 per acre, and there's about 20,000 trees in production right now.
6: With that many trees, you can bet there's a lot of upkeep.
5: We cut a lot of grass. Um, there's a lot to keeping it clean. You need to keep it clean around the trees so it doesn't invade um, the growing of the Christmas tree. They
6: trim their trees twice a year, in May and in September. And you may be surprised to know that their classic shape doesn't come naturally.
5: They would look like a bush if we didn't trim them. We have a crew that comes from Michigan and they trim each tree by hand. Um, They use two knives, they've got one knife in each hand and they just go around the tree with the knife like a big machete and give it this Christmas tree shape. We have about 15,000 that they trim every year. They usually can trim the 15,000 in six to seven days.
6: Barry says growing Christmas trees is a lot different than harvesting other crops.
5: You know, it's not like your standard row crop of corn, cotton, and peanuts where you plant them one year and get to harvest them the next. It's a seasonal business, so you don't have anything to gauge participation throughout the year. You just keep your fingers crossed that everybody wants to come back the next Christmas.
6: With nine different varieties of trees to choose from.
5: We grow cypress, we grow pine, we grow cedar, and then we also bring in Fraser fir from North Carolina for, again, those people that, that prefer the Fraser fir tree.
6: And there's an art to picking out the perfect tree.
5: The beauty is in the eye of the beholder. First of all, the size of the room you're going to put it in, um, and they all look smaller in the field than they do at home. You know, look at the spacing of the limbs. Do you have big ornaments where you need a lot of space to hang ornaments? Smell is also important. The color, you know, do you like a lighter green tree? Do you like a darker green tree? Skinny trees, fat trees. The advantage of coming to a Christmas tree farm is you get to go out and see them all in one place.
6: And he has some helpful tips to keep your tree fresh this season too.
5: If you'll take your tree home and find something to score the bottom of the tree, um, it may be a serrated knife, it may be a small saw. What you're doing is you're opening up the pores um, that the sap has sealed over since you cut it. Once you open up those pores on the base or the bud of the tree, put it directly into water um, and keep it water. Sometimes it may drink as much of a, as a gallon of water the first day. Uh, you want to be sure you keep it in water once it ever drops the water level below the bottom of the tree, that sap will seal that bottom over and it will no longer soak up water.
6: If you're interested in learning more about Christmas trees, Barry says try learning by doing, and work at one of the many Christmas tree farms across our great state.
5: But whether it be crops or Christmas trees, agriculture affects everyday lives of all of us.
6: In Newton County, I'm Jennifer Parson, reporting for the Farm Monitor.
5: And our thanks to
1: Jennifer and the Georgia Farm Monitor for sharing that story with us. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, and am Clint Griffiths. Have a great week on Farm Country.